الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم خلق السماوات والأرض في ستة أيام سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المصنين الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم We're aware that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the universe and in the Quran the creation of the universe or let's say creation in general is described in two different ways Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in one place خَلَقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضَ فِي سِتَّةِ أَيَّامٍ ثُمَّ اسْتَوَى عَلَى الْعَرْشِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the heavens and the earth in six days. And we also see in the Qur'an that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created things and that creation occurred or occurs instantly. So for instance, the verse that's very famously mentioned Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says be and it is. So these two descriptions almost seem a bit discordant. And the ulama, they explained it in two different, they explained this apparent discordance with the following. And that is that there are, is part of Allah ta'ala's creation that he created over time. Took, it, 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 it took time to create or he chose to, to create this over time. And then there's part of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation that is created or occurs instantly. And those create these two different circles of creation. This is a bit academic, but I think it's important that we acknowledge this, accept this, so that the whole discussion makes sense. The world that's created is called, according to our ulama, alamul khalq, the created world. And that's the world that's created over the course of time, tadrijan. And then there's a different form of creation, and that's called alamul amr. And that's the creation that is part of the commanded world. And the commanded world is that sort of creation that occurs instantly. So there's alamul khalq and there's alamul amr, the universe of the world of the creation or created world, I should say, and alamul amr, which is the uh, which is the commanded world. Now, when we try to differentiate what are things that come from the commanded world and what comes from the created world, it's very simple and straightforward. Those things that are from this particular world or this particular dunya or this particular universe, we consider that to be alamul khalq, the created things. Things, from, things, for instance, the sky, the earth, the trees, the heavens, our physical bodies. And then there's things that are considered to be heavenly. And that is what we consider to be from alamul amr, the commanded, commanded, commanded world. Let me give you some examples. Right? For instance, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I mentioned, Allah ta'ala created the heavens and the earth and so many other things. Over different days, and that's considered to be alamul khalq. That's the creation of Allah that's created. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in another place in the Quran, the Sahaba asked, They asked you, O Messenger of Allah, about the soul. 
about the soul. And Allah Ta'ala says, min amri rabbi, That the soul is from the command of my Lord. It's from the commanded world. So there's a created world and there's a commanded world. And they are separate from one another. The created world is below the arsh of Allah. And the commanded world is that which is heavenly and comes above the arsh of Allah. Okay, is that making sense so far? The one creation of Allah Ta'ala, or one, let's, yeah, one, one piece of creation from Allah Ta'ala that actually comes from both worlds is the human being. Is the human being. We are composed of, or we consist of two parts. A physical body and a soul. A physical body and a soul. And what's unique about us is the physical, our physical body comes from Alamul Khalq. It comes from the creation that is created, meaning Alamul Khalq, the world of, of, of creation. And our soul that's within us, Alamul Amr, that comes from the commanded world. And our soul is heavenly, meaning it was there before, it is there while we're alive in this world, and it, that soul will continue even in the hereafter, on the day of judgment, and then through all of eternity. Whereas the body is just a vehicle. Our body is given to us, our soul is put into it, that physical body, which is part of this realm of create, the created world, it provides us with a seat or a vehicle for our soul for maybe 5, 10, in many cases, 60, 70, 80 years. Then that soul leaves the body, the body disintegrates and goes back into this world, and the soul continues on. So of all of Allah's creation, human beings are the only creation that consist of components from both realms of creation, both alam al-khalq and alam al-amr. We consist of a body, which is part of the created world, and we are also composed of a soul, which is part of the commanded world, or alam al-amr. So that's the background. Now, what are the points that we take from this particular thing? And I'm going to mention three or four points today. What does it mean? What's the significance of us being composed of two different components? Why does that matter? What's so significant about this? Point number one is that those things that are from the commanded world are sustained and nourished by the commanded world. And those things that are from the, cre from the, uh, create from the um, created world are sustained and nourished by things that come from, from, from the created world. What do I mean? We are composed of a body and, our, and a soul. And in order for my body to receive nourishment, I have to give it things that come from this world. That includes food, that includes drink, that includes, includes sleep, that includes shelter. Those are all part of this created world, right? If you think about it, if we think about, for instance, food, where does food come from? Food comes from the ground and the ground crops grow, we consume that food, and that food is what nourishes our physical body. You know, maybe we consume animals. Animals feed off of the ground. They, they receive nourishment from it. They themselves get nourished. They, they, they reproduce. And then we consume that food, and we derive energy because that's sustaining our body, our physical body. Similarly, water comes from the ground. All of these things that come essentially from the ground, you can say, or from this present earth physically, this is what sustains our physical body, Right? On the other hand, we also have a soul. And the soul is not sustained by the same things that the body is sustained by. If I want to sustain my soul, I have to look to the heavenly sources. Those things that sustain the soul include, for instance, recitation of the Qur'an. It includes 
um, the angels, or the presence of the angels. It includes goodness. These are the things that provide nourishment and food for the soul. These are the things that provide nourishment and food for the soul. So it's important for us to understand this first point, that if we are looking to nourish the body, then we receive nourishment from this world and the things that are contained within this world. And if we're looking to nourish the soul, that cannot occur from things that come from this world. It has to be something that's more heavenly. So this is a really important principle to understand, right? Because in this day and age, we see the rest of the world so focused on providing nourishment for the body and yet neglecting the soul. And the effect of it becomes exactly what we see today. We see such a disconnect within humanity. We see such a disconnect within humanity. You know, the reality is that my soul needs to be nourished in order for it to sustain itself. And instead of what I tend to do is because of corporate America and because of not corporate America, the corporate world in general and advertisement and whatnot, telling me that if I'm looking for some form of nourishment for myself, I should constantly look at the body when in reality our attention should be on our soul. Okay, let me give you a second point just to help you make sense of this. The body and the soul, it shares the same space. It shares the same space. Meaning that if I give my physical body too much attention or too much nourishment, then I can expect that my soul will be crushed. And on the flip side, if I give my soul attention, I can expect that my bodily, that my body will be suppressed. And this is what the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ is. It's reminding us to create balance between our body and our soul. In this day and age, we've given so much attention to the body where we want to eat whatever we want to eat. We think of something, we want it to appear on our doorstep, doorstep within a matter of a couple of hours. We want to, um, uh, we, we want to look at whatever we can look, we want to look at whatever, the, whatever our, our body desires. We want to give it as much sleep as possible. We're constantly focused on feeding the needs of the body at the expense of the soul. And the effect of it is that a person loses the peace and contentment that comes from feeding the soul because it's so focused on the physical body. Because it's so focused on the physical body. So, you know, our challenge today is that, uh, is number one, to understand this principle. That if I'm looking for success and I'm looking for peace in my life, I really have to pay attention to the, um, to the nourishment that I'm providing myself. How much attention am I giving to my physical body? How much am I consuming? Am I eating whatever I want to eat? Am I looking at whatever I want to look at? Am I uh, participating in, you know, am I, am, I, uh, uh, am I just constantly feeding the animalistic desires that are within me? Or is, it that I am f or, or is it that I'm partly suppressing these desires so that my soul can grow because they coexist within the same space? Because they exist within the same space. So it's important to understand. You know, the soul is fed by Qur'an, it's fed by, felt by, it's fed by goodness, it's felt by these things. And, and, and unfortunately, we, we think that if we're looking for peace and contentment and I'm feeling disappointed with my life, the rest of the world is telling us, go to the mall and purchase something new. Maybe it's your home. Maybe it's, it's that, you know, these 2,000 square foot aren't sufficient to make you content and happy in this world. Or maybe it's because you haven't had a seven-course meal at this particular restaurant. And once you go there, your life will completely change. But the Prophet ﷺ came into this world to remind us of this concept, which is that, look, 
peace, happiness, and contentment doesn't come from feeding the body. Because contentment and happiness, I shouldn't say contentment and peace, this is a feature of the soul, not of the body. And if I'm seeking this in this world, then my attention should be more on my soul than it is on my body. No matter how much I feed my body, no matter how many indulgences I, take, I make in this world, I participate in this world, I'm never going to be able to receive and finally achieve that peace that I'm looking for. And this is why we see people in this world that have fed their body completely through wealth, through dunya, through, you know, just party, right? And, and, and the scenes that you can imagine that, that involve lewdness, these people have everything you can imagine in this world. They have every aspect of dunya, large homes, they have fancy cars, they have, you know, large, large property. Uh, they have everything that you can imagine from a dunyawi perspective, but, but what's lacking within their heart is peace and contentment. It's because the attention that they had given to us, to the body, thinking that if I continuously feed my body, then I'll finally be able to achieve, you know, this, this pinnacle of contentment in my life. And then they never achieve it. And they look back and they wonder, and you see, you know, the suicide rates amongst those individuals and the, um, and the rates of depression amongst those individuals is much higher than the rest of the population. You think, how? I mean, they have everything that you could possibly imagine from the perspective of this dunya, and yet they're never satisfied or content. It's because the formula is such that if I'm looking for peace and contentment, it requires that I give attention to my soul and not to the body. And in fact, it's the opposite. If I truly am looking for it, then it requires some degree of suppression of the body and, some degree, and, and a degree of elevation of the soul. And that's sort of the third principle. That if we're seeking peace and contentment in this world, then we have to give attention to our soul. And in this day and age, we've completely reversed the formula. Let me give you a practical example. And I think I may have mentioned this before. The perfect example of this is for us, now we're just a couple of weeks outside the month of Ramadan. And if you look at the formula of Ramadan, it essentially is this perfect system or structure where I am instructed by Allah Ta'ala to suppress the physical body and to elevate the soul. How so? During the month of Ramadan, we are expected to fast from the dawn, from dawn until sunset. That's 15, 14, 15, 16 hours of the day. We are told that we need to constrict our body and not feed it. So we cannot eat, we cannot drink, we cannot involve ourselves in intimate relations. Even these things that are otherwise permissible, Allah Ta'ala restricts our body and says we cannot participate in these things. Um, so there's suppression of the physical body. In the month of Ramadan, we're taught that we have to increase our prayer in the night. So many of us pray, you know, 20 extra rak'ah in the evening. And prayer is essentially a form of suppressing the body. How so? Because when I tie my hands together for the salah and I begin my prayer, at that moment, I've now made all of those things that are otherwise permissible for the body now impermissible. I'm telling the body to suppress itself. So when I'm now in prayer for that half an hour or hour, I can't look at what I want to look at, even though my body wants me to. I can't touch what I want to touch. I'm locked into prayer. I can't even move. I can't speak. The body loves to speak and indulge in, in, in aimless speech. And I have nothing to, I'm not able, I'm not even allowed to recite except for the words of Allah. Uh, I can't, um, I can't eat, I can't drink, I can't do any of these things that are otherwise permissible. Salah essentially is a form of suppression of the body. So the month of Ramadan, we're told from, from dawn until evening, until the nighttime, to suppress the body by, by restricting it from those things that it otherwise desires. Then even in the evening hours, there's some degree of suppression. 
In the month of Ramadan, many of us lose sleep. The body loves to sleep. When we think the more sleep we give it, the better it is. Ramadan, some portions of our sleep are taken away where our entire cycle is completely disrupted. Right? I mean, most of us don't sleep that well in Ramadan. We're up, you know, two, three hour naps, wake up, we have to eat, we try to take another nap, we have to go to work, we take another nap. It's very disconnected. And then in Ramadan, we're also, we're, we're told and we're taught in Ramadan to suppress the body. And then in the month of Ramadan, we're taught to elevate our soul. How so? In the month of Ramadan, we're encouraged to do good deeds. We're told that every act of worship that we perform is not going to be multiplied, you know, 70 times over or multifold over. Every utterance of Quran is multiplied. Every act of charity is multiplied. We're encouraged on so many levels in the month of Ramadan to strive toward acts of worship. And each of these acts of worship are heavenly and these feed the soul. So Ramadan is basically this perfect example where we suppress the desires of the body and we elevate the needs of the soul. Right? It's, this, it's, it's, it's the complete opposite of what we do the rest of the year, which is a continuous feeding of the body and completely neglecting the soul. And then you ask any Muslim how they feel in the last few days of Ramadan, everyone will collectively say, the peace and contentment that I experienced in these last few days of Ramadan, it's beyond anything I can imagine elsewhere. You ask someone who spends 10 days in Atikaf, who essentially is adding on a third layer of constriction to the body. Because now people that are in Atikaf, not only are they fasting all day, not only are they praying all night, their body is also physically constricted where they can't leave the confines of the masjid. Anyone else from the outside would say, well, this is actually torture. What kind of support for the soul is this? This is torture. And yes, it is. It is a form of torment or torture or constriction for the body, but it is a source of elevation for the soul. And you ask people in Atikaf how their experience was, and they say this is the best time of their life, and they wish they could do it again the following year. You want to sacrifice 10 days of vacation from work, so that, not so that you can go sit on a beach, not so that you can go and enjoy fine dining in some other part of the world, not so you can travel and spend on yourself so lavishly, or so that you can experience a, a seven-star a seven hotel. No, I want to lock myself in the masjid. I want to be in this space. I want to constrict my body. I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to speak. I'm not going to interact. I'm not going to have intimate relations. And I want to keep doing it over and over again. Because the contentment and peace that comes from constricting the body and elevating the soul is beyond anything that we can, beyond what, what else can be provided to us. So Ramadan is a perfect example of us for this, and we've all sort of experienced this. So it's important for us to understand this. And in the, in the science of Tazkiyah and spirituality and Tasawwuf, this is what is being highlighted. That in this day and age, or in general, I mean, you know, look at, look at the time of the Prophet and the Sahaba, for the most part, they had built into their system a significant suppression or a subduing of the body. The Prophet ﷺ, if you look at his home, uh, in the descriptions that come, he had a very small room that was essentially his home. There were a handful of items that were within his home. He slept on a straw mat. And there is, comes a narration that would go days, that would go by without fire burning within the home of the Prophet ﷺ, meaning there wasn't fresh food to eat or consume. This, many Sahaba were like this, right? I mean, you hear about a Sahabi like Mus'hab bin Umar anhu, who had all the indulgences that a physical body could ever have. He had, you know, perfumes, he had clothing, ample wealth. And then the, the, at the time of his death, there wasn't even a sheet that was long enough to be able to cover his body so that it could, uh, his, his, uh, his body as a shroud. Even, he didn't even have that much to his name. 
And that's, you know, that's just, that just shows that the Sahaba and the Prophet lived in, a, lived in a time and in an era where the body was suppressed to a degree. And of course, the presence of the Prophet and all of the encouragement that he provided was essentially an elevation of the soul. So this, this, this formula was present at the time of the Prophet and today as well, this applies to us as well that we must pay attention to the indulgences that we're providing our body, and we must pay attention to what we're providing the soul. And to some degree, we have to suppress, the constrict the body, and we have to elevate the soul if we want to experience success both in this life and in, this, in, in the akhirah. This is what the body and the soul needs. And we have to recognize that if I am lacking in my life spiritually, if I feel an emptiness or I don't feel content with just my existence and my, and my being in this world, rather than think maybe it's because I don't have that 5,000 square foot home or maybe it's because I don't have the income I, I thought I, was, I, I wanted to have, rather than chasing, off of the, chasing these things that are only going to feed the body and ultimately provide me with more emptiness on the inside, I have to chase those things that are going to elevate my soul because that's what's going to provide me with ultimate peace and contentment in this world. And that's what I need to be pursuing. What is the, my relationship with what was my relationship with the Quran? Because the Quran feeds the soul. How much time am I giving to my soul with the Quran? Because every moment I spend with the Quran elevates my soul. How much time am I sitting in the dhikr of Allah? Because every moment I spend in the dhikr of Allah it elevates my soul. How much time am I coming, spending coming into the masjid? Because when I'm in the confines of the masjid, just being in the masjid has a barakah that elevates my soul. These things that are heavenly that are not from alamul khalq, the, cre- the created world, the, but rather are from the commanded world, are those things that are going to feed my ruh and my soul. And I have to pursue these things in order for me to be able to achieve this. So this is a general principle. It applies to every believer. But for those of us in particular that are seeking spiritual nourishment in this world and a contentment that can only come from those things that are, that are from the heavens, it's really important that we understand this. It's really important that we understand this. We can't think that our contentment and peace in this world is at all related to the amount of this world that we can consume. Rather, it's fully connected to how much I can suppress my body and I have how much I can elevate my soul. Now, sometimes this is taken out of proportion, and it's important to understand that there has to be balance. You know, at the time, some, some would say, well, that I should completely suppress my body. I should fast every day. I should uh, not interact with people. I should never open my mouth. And even at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, there was Sahaba who had gone to those sort of extremes where they were neglecting the needs of the body completely. And the Prophet ﷺ had to remind them that, look, your body does have some right over you. So it, we shouldn't misconstrue w- what I'm explaining here. It shouldn't be that we completely neglect the body. The body has some needs. It does require some speech. It requires that we nourish it physically through food and consumption. It requires that we interact with, with people. It has some physical needs, but, but it has to be kept in balance. And in this day and age, we as a community, we as humanity, we're out of balance. We're out of balance. Our bodies, we fed, we fed, we fed. Our souls we've suppressed and suppressed and neglected to the point where we wake up in the morning, parts of the community wakes up in the morning in a state of iman, and by evening we've lost our iman. And then, you know, we see so much of humanity struggling with trying to find peace in this world. Peace in this world is not going to be found ever, ever by trying to feed the needs of the body. Rather, it's going to be achieved by attain, attending to the needs of the soul. So, the summary for today's discussion is, just to summarize the points, 
is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He's created everything in this world and in this universe and above this universe. And the two components of His creation fall under these broad categories of alamul khalq and alamul amr. The created world, which took days to develop and create, and the commanded world, alamul amr, which is coming from the command and hukm of Allah, which occurred instantly. And of all of Allah's creation, our human, us as human beings, we are the one creation that, consi- that contains both of these things. Meaning, we are composed of a physical body and we're composed of a soul which is spiritual. Our physical body is just a vehicle for us, although we attend to it more than our soul, it's just a vehicle for a handful of years in this world and it disappears. Our soul, on the other hand, has, always, has been present from before. It was placed in this body. It will be removed for the, from the body. And it will be presenting itself before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And all of the deeds that we had performed in this world will then transmit with that soul as we present ourselves to Allah. For us, understanding this principle that we're composed of these two parts, we should also then recognize that our success lies in some degree of constriction of the needs of the physical body, recognizing that it's just temporary, and on the other hand, attending to the needs of the soul. And finally, important to understand, this, again, just summarizing things, that the physical body is fed by things that come in this world, but the soul is only able to be fed by things that come from the heavens. Those things, like the speech of Allah, like the teachings of the Prophet like coming to the masjid, like giving our wealth in the sake, for the sake of Allah. These things come from the heavens. These things, when they are performed and engaged and interacted with, they feed the soul. And the effect be, is, not only does it result in success for me in the akhirah, but even in this world, if I'm looking for peace, if I'm looking for satisfaction, I'm looking for success, right? Ultimately, it comes down to what attention I give my soul. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to appreciate these general principles. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to uh, place an emphasis on our soul in a day, uh, in, in, in an age in which there is so much darkness. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us uh, to, some, at some consistent level, place some restrictions on our body. Uh, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, allow us to really achieve a state of peace and contentment in this world and be pleased with, with, with Him. Wa akhir da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.